This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about strategies for attracting and retaining quality employees. So generally when the topic is discussed, it's focused more on a corporate level. But post-pandemic, we've seen a new phenomenon that needs to be addressed, frankly. So a lot of hourly wage jobs are standing unfilled. There's just not enough people, or it seems like there's just not enough people to fill them. And this is causing a ton of pain and costing a lot of money as businesses compete to win workers across industries. Yeah, and this really spans the gamut. So we've seen it with local restaurants, bars, and businesses that depend on those hourly employees, like Ann said, service-based businesses to manufacturing companies who require people to work in fabrication shops to big companies like Home Depot doesn't have enough people to work on the floor. Kings Island is closing early because they don't have enough workers to fill those jobs. Um, Dick's Sporting Goods, who they, they just all need these hourly employees to operate their establishments, and they're just not able to get them. Here in Cincinnati, we have some businesses paying upwards of $15 an hour for jobs that just last year would pay minimum wage. The situation is seriously crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. But there's definitely a ceiling to the who can play the most game. And for those who aren't big corporations, it can feel like you are the losers as you're left to pay from less than stellar candidates. But even those who do win, it may only be a temporary victory with it being a worker's market out there. So how can you play smarter to attract and retain quality employees? Well, that is what we're going to talk about in this episode. And for those who are in a corporate environment and you feel this pain on a regular basis as well with salaried candidates, this one is for you too. It just may be on a slightly different scale, but we're going to make those nuances and those connections for you. So let's get started with the four strategies for attracting and retaining quality employees. All right. The first one is offer limited time incentives that are delivered over time. So as I mentioned, that there's this, this phenomena about having more jobs and appears to be workers. And this is being caused by two specific things that are kind of going on in the market right now. So one is the CARES Act and other government subsidization during COVID, as it's kind of more lucrative for some people not to work. For those who are used to living paycheck to paycheck, they can see this as an extended vacation. And so they may not be looking too much further to the long term. And so they just kind of take it month to month. There's also what I called earlier this workers market. So if you're familiar in real estate, there's buyers markets, sellers market. There's also workers markets and employees markets. And right now we're in a workers market. And that means that there are so many opportunities that many don't hesitate to, to jump ship if it appears that the grass is green on the other side. So one way to motivate people to return to work and then keep them once you have them is to offer short-term incentives that are delivered over time so they'll join now and stay on. So for example, signing bonuses. But instead of just one lump sum, make it over a three-month period. So by the time they get to month three, we're going to see probably a lot of the government subsidization declining. And really, it's hard for people to walk away from free money. So Instead of giving them, like I said, just that one lump sum, just give it to them over a three-month, a six-month, a nine-month period, whatever you decide to do. There's also bonuses for being quality employees, and you could give those over a period of time, so three, six, nine, 12-month bonuses. 
But make sure you have a scorecard that is short and simple and easy for people to measure against, both you and them, so you can align on this. So for example, shows up for a shift on time and ready to work is a lot clearer than is punctual, right? So most corporate businesses use some sort of bonus structure anyway with a very high level of effectiveness. So this is one thing that you guys can scale down, or if in your corporate environment, you can actually then scale up. There's also an opportunity to offer personal time off or PTO. Now, what you might want to do here is you might want to allocate it on, again, a shorter month basis versus a 12-month basis, which is what is very typical when you offer a PTO. So maybe you offer it every six months. In this way, they won't be inclined to like take all the PTO and then just quit. And for those who are just signing on, maybe you give them additional PTO bonuses, but if they leave before they've actually accrued it, then they need to actually pay it back. So you're kind of giving yourself a little bit of protection on that. Another one that can be used across the board is point systems. And these can be converted to incentives or gifts. These are very, very popular in sales-driven businesses or franchise-driven businesses. So you can offer a point of incentive at hire and escalate points for months of service and then make them public so that people can have a little bit of competition. There's a little competition can actually be really, really good for motivation. And then finally, you could do a referral program. These are incentives for employees to recruit, which you give me, you give them bonuses or um, some sort of uh, gifts for people signing on and staying on. And this becomes a little bit more of a, of a culture base that you're building than when they have people that they know and they're working with. It kind of becomes a little bit more cohesive as a team. So one watch out is making sure when you're offering these to new employees that you are very careful about how you position it to your existing employees. At the very least, it should match um, because you don't want to (laughs) disincentivize your existing employees based on trying to get these new employees. That doesn't help with retention. Yeah. And you said a lot there. Yeah, I know. I feel like we just need to take a pause, (laughs) let that digest. But I do think that to your point about this episode, right, um, some of these things are specific to satisfying that problem of hourly workers. And and some of them really do span the gamut. So, for example, I mean, I remember from a referral program standpoint at agencies and, right, we we like to have fun. We're supposed to be having a good time, et cetera, et cetera. So bringing in your friends sounded like a great idea. But then to Anne's point, we would get no money, actually, until they stayed for three months, six months, and then a year mark. And Mm -hmm. that amount of money was split up between that. So not only were they, as the employee, getting the incentive, I, as another employee, was incentivized to also stay on in order to get the money that I would, you know, free money, right, that I'm getting from bringing another person in. And then the other point that I want to make is really emphasizing Anne's point about making sure that you're not rewarding people, new people, more than you are your existing people, because no matter what you think, people talk, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be that much. Like, I remember at one agency where somebody negotiated another, not even a week, like three days of PTO, right, or something. But it was more than everybody else that had worked there. And a lot of them were legacy employees at that level. And one of them actually ended up quitting because, and, and there were other things, right? It wasn't over three days of, of 
PTO. But frankly, it just built a lot of negativity, both for the new person coming in, but also for the organization. And then that spread like wildfire to the other teams as well, right? So then everybody's comparing notes. And we know we're not supposed to share salaries or how much vacation did you negotiate, all of that kind of stuff. But it does get out. And it really is detrimental then to the organization because it makes those people that have been around and been loyal, you know, the whole topic of this episode, the opposite, right? The people that have stayed now are like, well, maybe I should go find somewhere else because clearly I'm not as valuable as the new guy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And actually, that just happened to my husband, too, where um, in an effort to bring people in and keep them there, they started offering the same amount of vacation that most of the guys there had to wait 20 years uh-huh. in order to get. There and you go. so they're like, um, okay, so we um, now, what's that mean for us, you know? And yep. so, and then incentivize on the back end too. So that does create a little bit of friction. And so it needs to be recognized if you're looking to keep your workforce in its entirety happy, as well as bringing in new folks. Exactly. All right. The second strategy for attracting and retaining quality employees is be a company people want to work for. And I'm happy to take that one. I'm always the culture police. So I'll go (laughs) ahead and (laughs) and talk about that. Um, So obviously, first of all, most corporate companies offer a benefits package, right? And that's in addition to your salary, right? So it could be Healthcare, dental care, 401k contributions, profit sharing in the company, you know, paid leave of absence, sabbaticals. There's all Mm -hmm. kinds of things on that list. And a really strong benefits package can be a huge influencer, but it also costs a lot of money. And so when you think about that from a small business standpoint, you need to consider what is the right investment, especially if there's a hefty price tag on it, and is it appropriately going to entice the demographic you are trying to reach, right? So what I mean by that is, okay, so maybe one of the incentives is a gift certificate to go out to dinner when you sign on, right? Instead of a signing bonus, they give you a gift card and that's happened in trade. But the employee you're looking for is not the profile that likes the steakhouse down the street, for Mm -hmm. example. And so they're like, okay, great, I'm signing on. The company doesn't have to pay a bunch of money because they've done a trade in kind with that restaurant. But everybody's like, I don't care if it's $1,000. I don't want to eat at that place, right? So kind of a silly example, but that would be an example of something that is a benefit but doesn't necessarily match with what the employee might be looking for. And then on the other side, we say develop good management. You know, there's the old adage of people don't leave a job, they leave their boss. This is true no matter what type of organization you are. So don't only invest in finding the employees that you need to work there, but develop the managers and honestly yourself to be highly competent and human-led leaders. So not just managers, but actually leaders of people so that people come to work there for you and they stay there to work for you. And then also have a mission and a culture that makes people feel like they're a part of something bigger than just whatever they do day to day at their job, right? I mean, we gave all those examples at the beginning of food service employees and people working at Kings Island. And, you know, some of those jobs are are not necessarily super career focused or it might start to feel like punching a clock. But the difference maker can be having an organization with a mission that people really feel like they're providing something above and beyond 
beyond just serving somebody a hamburger or whatever the case might be. Um, Chick-fil-A is a good example of this and loves this example. Yep, I use it all the time. We we know it's Christian-based and, you know, we're not going to comment on any religious affiliation. But really, it's about being good people and treating your employees as good people. And so therefore, example, they're not open on Sundays, right? Which they could be making a lot more money, but they're not because they're allowing their employees to have a day with their family because that's a foundational belief for them. Um, Another example of this is Nordstrom, right? And I've experienced this personally where the people that work there are expected to not just cash you out at the register, right? They're there and they're incentivized to be really helping you. So it's not a salesy, salesy approach necessarily, but it's a true, you know, what are you looking for? How can I help you? Not being annoying, being able to read your signals and what kind of help you may or may not want, right? There's all of that built into the model of working there. And the people that work there understand the expectation, but then also what do they get as a result of being able to perform at that level? And then finally, we have build your reputation in the community and in the industry. So be a part of things beyond just being an organization that is there. You know, what service opportunities are there? You know, what things do you do out there in the community? What things are important to your employees? Where can you make donations of not just money, but volunteer, volunteer as a company? Um, What culture events are out there? You know, what can all of you do? What are you collectively passionate about that you want to be a part of? And show up there, show up also in the industry, get out and do things, serve as an example this way, you know, as a thought leader, go to industry events, be a keynote speaker, write white papers, produce publications, whatever the case might be. Build your reputation in the community and the industry because that will attract employees to you and also reinforce that what you say about your company is true because people are seeing it happen out there in the world. Yeah, I think that's all really, really well said. And one point I wanted to uh, really highlight is a, a lot of times when we get into some of these discussions with business owners, you know, they'd be like, you know what, I'm just a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's all I do. Or I, I, I'm just a, you know, a boutique. And, you know, and, and it means a lot more to them. But the holes they can wrap their mind around is I am just this. If you believe that you are just that, the people who are going to come work for you are going to believe you're just that. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to take pride and have any passion in being able to over deliver if you yourself aren't able to get them to see that this is like a really cool transformative place to work. Now, those seem very lofty words to say for like, you know, somebody who feels like it's just that. But if you actually put yourself into that position and you ask yourself, hey, what does this take in order for this to be like an awesome place for somebody to work? You'd be surprised about what kind of comes up in that. Mm-hmm. And and this could be very simple, just ways that you talk about it. It could be just like little perks. It could be these like little incentives. Um, it could just be being able to um, treat them in, in, as, and respect them as humans or give them opportunities to to grow, which we're going to get to in a second. I mean, all these things could be really great in order to make your business someplace more than just a job if you're willing to put the time and thought process into it. Yeah, and I think the final point on that is it it doesn't always have to be financial. In a lot of cases, it shouldn't be a financial incentive. So really important to this point overall. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of just go to the money because the money is easy, but then they quickly relegate that to they can't afford it. Uh So we're going to get to that. So that was a really good setup for something that we're going to talk about later. 
Okay, so the third strategy for attracting, retaining quality employees is to remove barriers, all right? The first and most fundamental one, I think, that um, could apply across the board is make the application and interview process easy, all right? So not everyone has access to a computer. Not everybody has access to a printer. They may not even have reliable transportation that they can come to you for interviews or to fill an application, but almost everybody has a mobile phone, all right? So make the application something that they can do on the phone. And it doesn't matter if you're like a small business or a big corporation business, at least make that entry point easy enough for people to engage you and make it clear enough that they can easily do it, okay? That doesn't mean it has to be like overly simplified to the point where you're asking very generic questions or you don't get the right information. Just make the process easy. Another one is child care assistance or vouchers. I mean, this is really, really fundamentally important because it's it's something that's a big concern to people right now. And, and now, especially after COVID, they've gotten a taste of what it's like to be at home with their kids or work from home while their kids are there. So trying to get people out of their home can be a challenge. But also if you have people that need to work nights or they need to work summers when their kids aren't in school and you know, and then you know, at nights daycares are closed, so it's really hard for people to find uh, daycare and, and reliable daycare so that they can actually work. This could be something that could be a really great differentiator for your business. It may not be as easy to secure. You might actually have to do some work and see if you can partner with people in order to go do this or partner with individuals, but it could be huge. It could be like super huge. So really consider that as you're thinking about, hey, I'm how can I get more people here, especially if you have those hard to fill shifts sometimes of nights and and obviously in summers? Yeah. And I would say too, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day that they feel like they got a raise and that was only one, that was the only benefit of having to work with the well, kids yeah, there, right? But sure. they weren't paying for childcare. And so the idea of going back to that now after a solid over a year, I mean, 16 months or whatever, of having that ability, it's like, well, I don't want to have to go back to the way it was before, and I'm clearly doing a great job. So I think that's a really good reinforcement point for this one. Yeah, and I think this is going to become a sticking point for a lot of businesses because generally um, the understanding is even in a, in a corporate environment, if you were working from home, you had alternate childcare. You weren't allowed to work from home while your kids were there. Yes. That was a fundamental belief, understanding, expectation. So now that people have kind of done it, you're going to have to decide as a business, are you going to continue to let that happen? Yep. Um, or are you going to go back and instill those uh, those rules and regulations? So that's yeah. going to be a really big one, I think. Good point. Another uh, way to remove barriers is transportation. Um, make it easy for them to get to you. For some, this is just about having reliable transportation, especially if you happen to be in remote places. But for those in corporate environments, especially in big cities, many use public transportation to extend their workday. So this is especially if the commute is long or the parking is really, really costly. Um, this could be a really great thing to put into your benefits package. Um, for others, this just comes from a desire to be kinder to the environment and reduce their carbon footprint. Not everybody has two cars anymore in their families. A lot of people only have one car. So a lot of times they'll tend to work someplace close that they can walk to. So if you want to extend that invitation for them to work there, you're going to have to help them figure out how to get there. But no matter the motivation or need, like train, bus, subway passes as part of a benefit package can actually do a really good job of removing barriers or giving an incentive for people to choose you. 
And then overall, and I'm going to make this statement, and it is a big, broad statement, but I think it's super, super important, is that you need to create a safe and inclusive environment for all. So we're not going to, you know, get on a soapbox of diversity and inclusion, but, you know, this is what is implied here. And that might require you to go back and reevaluate your culture and your values to make sure everyone feels like they can show up and be their best selves. Now, this can be kind of tricky because two people can feel very justified in their views and they may conflict. And so you're going to have to really consider what is appropriate in the workplace and what you're going to establish as being the appropriate way to behave in the workplace and what are you going to allow people to bring to the workplace and how people are going to dress in the workplace and what are you going to allow them to say. All of those things are going to be very, very important for you to model first as the leader, but also to be able then to establish and document as um, doctrine in, in so that everybody can live by them and be very clear about them. Because Really, really, I mean, the workplace is not a democracy. I like I think people try to treat it as one, but it's not. So it's up to you as a leader to actually establish all of these rules and then live by them. Well, and I love this because Anne says it's not a democracy. She left off the other half. It's more of an amicable dictatorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time Call I heard her say spade. that, I was like, huh, that actually makes a ton of sense. But I mean, I think that is a really important point. And I think that sometimes people feel like they're upholding the culture by making it more of a democracy when in a lot of cases, especially in this case with safety and inclusion, you know, they're doing the opposite. And so reframing it in your head, whether you use the term amicable dictatorship or not, I it's in mine now, <laughs> um, but whatever you call it, right, at the end of the day, someone needs to be calling the shots. And these people are employees of an an organization and therefore they have to act in accordance to that. I mean, we have a whole nother episode on the mission of an organization. We've also talked values at length. We've talked about healthy cultures, not so healthy cultures, but all of it comes back to this whole idea of you are working for an organization, which means you don't own the organization, which means you don't get to just do, say, act however you want to. You have to follow those company policies and guidelines. And the company policies and guidelines need to change with the times. Yes, I think that's a really good point. Really good point. And it's not okay just to let people stay in their modes because they just like who they are, who they are. You have to really... You have to really have the hard conversations about, again, what is appropriate and especially what's appropriate in these modern times, because not only is it the right thing to do from a human led standpoint, but it also can create situations where there's uh, attrition because Mm -hmm. of these certain situations and the behaviors of people that can also be lawsuits, um, frankly, in in nowadays. So it, it can't be you can't be ignored. So the fourth strategy for attracting and retaining quality employees is to invest in employee development. Another one that I love. Mm -hmm. All right. So there are specific development opportunities and training programs out there. Really what you want to focus on is finding ways to give your employees opportunities where they can grow both their capabilities or their experiences or, you know, what they actually do, become better at it, but also their minds overall. And a lot of people in businesses shy away from this because (laughs) they look at it like, I don't want to develop my employees so much that then they leave and go be a really great employee somewhere else. My jaw drops every time I hear that and I hear that (laughs) way more than I want. 
I know, which I I find so fundamentally ridiculous. But it ha- it is stated and it's stated fairly often. This isn't the way to look at it because really this becomes then a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are not helping people do this, grow their capabilities in their minds, then they are going to leave for the better opportunity of somewhere that will allow them to do that. And then in the meantime, you've just let them be a lackluster employee because you haven't helped them grow and be better at the job that they do. So really, it's so it's so important. I mean, we can't overstate this enough that employee development just has to be a focused area that you can't just throw people in and say trial by fire and let that just become the thing that happens in an organization. You have to focus on your people. And really, as if you hire really good ones, those are the ones that you have to focus on even more in a lot of ways to make sure that they're continuing to grow and be better and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opportunities that you provide, I mean, I think this is another one where people get nervous about investment and spend and, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to pay for this for every single person. What does that look like? But really, it can be done on a much smaller and really more individualized scale than that. So... And actually added this one in about opportunities for travel and building that in. I mean, for me, that really was, funnily enough, something that was so important to me when I was younger in my career because I had gotten to travel a fair amount. And, you know, with grad school, we had done an, an international study for a few weeks and I had the travel bug. And before I wanted to have kids or really, you know, get married and super settle down, I wanted to find organizations that were global in nature, really, that would allow me to see the world and travel on their dime. And the other caveat here is like, it's not always to the most exciting places, right? <laughs> and and I think all of us reach some point in, in our careers where it's just not that much fun anymore, which I certainly did. And, and it, you know, hit the wall of like, okay, packing my suitcase every Sunday really isn't that much fun, right? But when you're right out of school and you're starting your career and you're wanting to get out there into the world, having a company where you can go any place is really exciting. And it's fun even just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, stay in a hotel for the night and, you know, go out and explore their restaurants, whatever the case might be. I think that there is a point in time where that is really fun. And that's one of those things that you can bring forward to people that really doesn't cost you anything and actually probably can make other people happier that are happy to give up that opportunity, especially if they've been doing it for a long time. So it does take a little bit of digging to find out what motivates people, but you can position people more properly in ways that they will get the most out of the job that really doesn't cost you anything financially. And then we have advancement opportunities. So this goes in in line with employee development and training and capabilities and all of that kind of stuff. But make sure that there is a path for advancement for people. So again, using myself as an example, right on the heels of that traveling was how am I going to move up in the organization and what does that look like, right? So make sure you have a process for that with specific actionable things that people can be doing in order to be able to get to the next level. Unfortunately, in agencies, a lot of times we had very nebulous ways in which you got to the next level, which constantly made it feel unachievable. Um, But make sure that those are really nailed down and specific. On the other side, don't overpromise. So I remember several 
times in my career where we would say like, oh, most people are promoted within a year, right? And not only was that actually not true in most cases, it also set an expectation that we were just never going to be able to deliver on in places where we would hire a bunch of people at once, right? So given the situation we're all in now, this is probably a reality for a lot of companies, right? So you don't want to bring in 10 people and say that you promote within a year. And then that expectation for all that those 10 people is like, oh, we've hit the year mark. We're all going to be promoted now. And that means more money, all of those types of things. So make sure you balance that. You're clear on the expectations, but also don't overpromise, especially with specifics like promotions. And then there's stuff like college and advanced degree program assistance. Um, I know that this can be a big one for people where it's not necessarily saying you're going to pay the entire tuition, especially given whatever size your organization may not be one of those huge ones. But, you know, offer some portion or, you know, even if it's like, well, we pay for the certification portion portion of it or, or whatever those things might be to give people a reason to want to stay at the organization while they are bettering themselves, which will ultimately better you in the long run of helping them out and supporting the fact that they want to go and do those things. And I mentioned certifications, so this is a little different than going for an MBA or something, right? But it's like, okay, if I'm in a warehouse and forklift training is required and I don't have it offered, the organization offers to pay for it versus the person having to fund it out of their pocket or IT programming or professional engineering or program managers. I mean, there's all kinds of different certifications now that you can get out there where you're learning new skills, which ultimately should be related to the role you play, which then is to the betterment of the organization in the long term. So it becomes cyclical in nature. If you invest in your employees, like we said before, they oftentimes won't leave for greener pastures. More often than not, they don't. If they know that there's another thing that the organization will do to support them, they'll stay so that they are getting as much benefit out of the organization as the organization is getting out of them. And it's a very reciprocated relationship built out of respect that ensures the organization gets better while the employee does at the same time. Yeah. And, and these have a ton of scale in yes. them from, you know, from a travel standpoint, you know, if, if you have um, hourly employees, this might be as simple just kind of getting them like out of the bubble. Yeah. But you could be very strategic with how you actually then deploy these in order for it to be also very beneficial to the business. So, for example, if you know what a competitor just opened up like, you know, down the street or if you're maybe considering going into a different area, you may send a couple employees down there to scout it out. Uh So it gets them out of their bubble a little bit. They're doing something beneficial for the business and you get that intel that you need. Um, The certifications is actually an excellent one because that can also help build your business. It offers to create um, or fill some gaps that you might currently have. So for example, you might set one of your employees up in order to get some IT programming like we talked about Mm -hmm. maybe as a result of that they can do your website Uh (laughs) you know Um, instead of having to hire somebody to do your website so you can be very strategic in how you do this it also can come across as advancement opportunities right so it's not just advancement to like in level but it's advancement in capability it's advancement in growth but it doesn't have to be isolated to just what's best for the employee it can also be what's best for the business yeah exactly i say yes to all of that yeah (laughs) All right, so just to summarize, the four strategies for attracting and retaining quality employees. Offer limited time incentives that are delivered over time. Be a company people want to work for. Remove barriers and invest in employee development. 
And with that, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is our end of trenches, where we give real world examples specific to industries usually, but they have broad enough application that you can take them and you can apply them right away. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. All right, so our first in the trenches question, what characteristics should I focus on or look for in hiring managers and supervisors employees will appreciate? And I'm going to take this one because Anne knows that I love the is, is not Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's like brand character stuff. <laughs> yeah. All brand character stuff. <laughs> but it is important the way that we set these up. So I do want you to hear them that we're, we're kind of qualifying what does that behavior actually look like and giving some parameters. So um, there's several of them here. So bear with me. But the first one is firm but human. So you're going to stand by what you believe in, et cetera. But you're not going to do it with such a heavy hand that it's cold or callous or not considering that they're people first, right? The second one is disciplined but flexible. So making sure, again, that as the you know manager or supervisor, they can follow a certain structure that makes sense, but also that there's area for improvement or if something's not working, the employee will be heard, those types of situations. Kind but not weak. We've talked about this in previous episodes of, of being nice and then being perceived as someone that people can walk all over. That's not what we're talking about here. It's treating people with kindness first, but also towing the line when you need to and making sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and holding up their end of the bargain. Collaborative, but not wishy-washy. So if they're the boss, ultimately they are the final decision maker. It's good if they can work with their teams and build a collaborative environment. But again, they have to be clear with the expectations and what ultimately success or positive outcomes look like, not wavering back and forth in what those might be. Decisive, but not abrasive. This has been one that I have struggled with in the past as a manager. (laughs) Side note. Um, But in any case, it's about, again, holding firm, making clear and fast decisions, not waffling, but also not leading with such a heavy hand that people feel like they can't give their own input in your way. It's your way of the highway. All of that kind of stuff applies here. And then finally, a conflict resolver, but being impartial or even keeled at the same time. So by that we mean conflicts inevitably arise on any team, even the most highly functioning ones. And so the manager supervisor has to be able to step in, get rid of the emotion charging the situation, be very impartial so that both parties feel like they're heard appropriately, and then being able to, in a very even keel fashion, 
provide resolution and move on from the situation. And this is by no means meant to be like an all-encompassing list, but these are ones that we have found in our experiences that really are foundational and fundamental to making sure that you hire people that are going to be able to effectively manage and supervise. Absent, like we always say, of any specific industry or job, these apply across the board. That was really well said. I don't even think I have anything to add. Oh, that doesn't happen very often. I know. Note it. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to ruin the impact that you had by going through that so clearly and concisely. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Compliment to me. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the second one. I don't think I can afford or have time staffing for what you suggest. What now? <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So <laughs> Anne's uh, rubbing her eyes. Yeah, you can't yeah. see her. <laughs> we, I, we get this one a lot, too. Okay. So honestly, you don't have a choice if you want to remain competitive. Okay. So you're going to have to grow your appeal beyond just wages or you'll always be competing against those who are willing to pay more. It goes back to what I was saying before about the who can pay most game, right? Mm-hmm. Because If you're just going to compete on pay, it goes back into that fundamental brand conversation we always have about creating a commoditized environment. And you guys, especially the small, mid-sized businesses, are probably not going to win here. The people in the in the in the companies and the corporations that have more runway are going to. So you're going to have to do some creative thinking. You're going to have to do some testing and learning to figure out how you're going to grow appeal beyond just pay or just money, okay? So one creative way that some businesses are securing funds in order to allocate to incentives and and, and that sort of thing is to get a business credit card that gives you money back, okay? Actually, I think American Express actually advertises it, but people actually do do this. Then they charge whatever they can on the credit card, and then they use the cash back to create a line item for incentives, benefits, development, all right? So that becomes the money that they allocate to that. I mean, I've even heard people like, that's how they're funding their health care for their employees, all right? So this is a really tangible way of getting income that's not being generated from your revenue that you have to siphon off your revenue in order to create this opportunity for your employees, all right? Another way is to do value exchanges with orgs or agencies that can help you. For example, if you happen to be a restaurant, maybe you partner with a gym to provide a free membership for your employees while you supply some sort of food that they can sell for additional profit. So you're bringing value to them and they're bringing value to you. Now, the caveat is you have to provide value as well. (laughs) If you're just asking for value but not giving you any, that's not a partnership. But I guarantee if you create value for them, they're going to want to listen. I mean, it may not always work out, but at least they're going to listen. And maybe then that gives you some education, some learning for a different approach for a different partner. You also should consider strategic investments. And this is a big one. I talked about this a little bit before when I was talking about how to invest in your employees in a way that also benefits the business. You can also do this in the way that you partner with other companies. So for example, you may negotiate to advertise on a local bus or a subway in exchange for free passes for your employees. So this is a double win. You get the exposure, they you get the and then your employees get the passes. So when you're doing this, you can also create this like again mutual value creation. And another way is when we were talking about building the skills, when you build your employees skills, you become of higher value. Your company becomes of higher value. You can charge more for that. So that is really, really important to understand that when you build your whole company's expertise, that creates more value for your business and your company in itself. And you can then charge more. Yeah. I mean, all of this is focusing on the long game, even when 
times may be tough, like this current environment of finding employees, right? You want to find the right people. It's the same thing we're talking about here is don't think about it so black and white as, okay, I don't have X money right this minute in my pocket, for example, right? Then you get this business credit card line, for example. You have to think creatively, I think, first of all, in times like this, but you also have to be patient and do things that are strategically right for the long term in order to retain people that want to work for you versus doing things that solve an immediate problem right now but might have no view to the future or even be something that would be relevant then. I think, you know, we're in a time of real uncertainty for the whole world. That's a huge understatement even as I say it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a business that is providing consistency for your employees, not only are they going to stay, but that will also help you recruit people who are looking for the same thing because you can be some calmness, some stability in a time where there isn't a lot of that in the world. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because that's more the the non-tangibles, right? Yeah. Um, that comes really with investing in your in, in your workforce. If you're making it a place that's hard to leave, then people are going to tend to stay. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's really saying something for the kind of culture and in, in, in really gravitating towards and in, in embracing that second point of creating a place that people want to work for. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. The third in the trenches question, are there specific management leadership development programs you suggest? So yeah. I, I talked about this a little bit before. I just jumped in before you even assigned me. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I talked about part for the course. All right. <laughs> like, I what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> I talked about this a little bit before and that there are specific programs out there, but there's so many of them and there really is no one size fits all. So it's not going to do anybody any good for me to start spouting some off right here because they depend on the business, the environment, the industry. It depends. My favorite again, mm -hmm. the person, the people, all of these different things. And the ones that are really the best are the ones that do customize, meaning that they may have an approach or a process, but they're able to take your input into account and really hear, you know, listen and hear what's going on in the organization and then respond in kind from there. And that doesn't always necessarily mean expensive. In fact, sometimes those mm -hmm. can be cheaper and more effective. Um, they tend to be comparable size businesses to yours, for example, in a lot of cases versus one of the big guys that's going to come in and charge an astronomical sum to, to train your employees, right? So there are a lot of nuances. There are a lot of caveats. What we would say here is if you reach out to us and mention that you heard this offer on this particular episode, we'll do a free assessment of your business and give you a recommendation for what types of training and coaching would be the most beneficial to then develop your people, all the things we've been talking about. Keep them engaged, keep them growing, make them want to stay, and ultimately make your organization um, better because there really isn't a specific answer, a one-size-fits-all in this case. Yeah, and I would say, too, that this is, again, and one that you can't afford for not to do. Oh, for sure. All right. You have to have some sort of training in place to develop your management and your leadership because they are the ones that are setting the tone, um, especially if your hourly workers in, in that entity are a little bit further down the chain, like mm -hmm. in the big corporations, right? So 
This is so critically important. So please don't get sticker shock, you know, or think that everything like this costs like so much money. There are ones that do. Um, really think about, again, what are you trying to develop in your workforce? And then we can go from there and then really like hone in on how this is going to to happen and how this can come to, to life and how your workforce is going to grow into um, a, a very viable source of your business growth. Exactly. Okay, the fourth and final in the trenches question, what benefits are you seeing being compelling to employees? All right, so I think, you know, this one is all about being in touch, as we've talked about before, because I'll use um, April's response. It depends. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) And it also varies, so I'll build on it, on the needs of your workforce, all right? So if you're in a more corporate where there's more salary jobs, then traditional benefit packages are more common. But we would challenge then, when is the last time you truly revisited these packages and see if they're a fit still for your rising workforce? Because people's needs change and the people you're hiring in their needs are different than the people that you already have in there, right? And so you nearly need to think about like things like paternity leaves. That's a big thing right now. It was not a thing when I was mm-hmm. like coming in. Extended 401k plans that allow investments and in things like real estate and Bitcoin, that's becoming a thing, you know? So if you're able to diversify your 401k to be able to accommodate some of these things, that could be very appealing for a rising workforce. There's also a lot of people offering incentives for more eco-friendly choices, like in appliances, transportations, homes, especially if that's consistent with your mission, because what that does is it shows that you appreciate what's important to them. What also, a lot of you guys have students. There's a lot of students that we know that are hourly workers, and what they're most concerned about is training and development. Basically, anything they could put on a resume for a secondary education or beyond. So give them that access, if you can, to resources that basically help them grow up. And for those who have more fundamental needs, it is access to really quality health care for them and their families and incentives and bonus opportunities. So that's going to become um, really, really essential for those businesses who want to differentiate who are caring to more the fundamental needs of um, the employees that they might be hiring. Well, and that doesn't go away for anyone, right? So it's like, true. Don't don't focus so much on, to the point, I guess, of being in touch Focus on the things that could be key differentiators, but not at the sacrifice of things that truly are fundamentally important. And be honest about where your business is, to Anne's point, about who you employ and and what they actually need and what will be important to them. Agreed. And our third and final segment, a real-world example of a brand who is doing this well or not well. So... Since we aren't really behind the doors of these companies, it's hard to say which businesses are doing this well. So instead, we're going to highlight some businesses. We're going to give an A for effort in their attempt to attract and retain quality employees. And actually, one's going to get like a B plus, but that one's coming. Okay. (laughs) So first is uh, Starbucks, Arby's, and others who are offering full benefits and college payment opportunities. This is becoming big, um, even though they're big companies, like they're really catering to their um, employees that are working on behalf of the big companies um, in order to make them profit and revenue. You can't have Starbucks survive if you don't cater to those employees who are working in um, all of the Starbucks all around the world. Uh, Amazon here in northern Kentucky is offering free transportation to their distro center because they're in a very remote location. So you're able to just hop on one of their buses or use the bus system in order to get to them. Not pay for gas. Not pay for the gas. And if you don't have a car, your car is like... You're still getting there. Yeah, you could get there. 
Um, a local marketing agency, which as a caveat is, is not us, although we have done this, <laughs> is hiring high schoolers for paid internships. So this is, again, it it, it, it creates all of that value for, for them um, as the student, but also for the business. So it provides a resume builder. It gives them money. But in return, they're getting experts in social that they can pay hourly wages mm-hmm. to. These also might be future employees. So they're vetting potential future employees and creating a pipeline for themselves. Another local restaurant or brewery, I'm not going to name names because this one would know what they, who they are and they may not want to reveal that they may be um, suggesting this, but they're definitely encouraging their workers to get their friends to work there to create more of a fun environment. And I can tell because I see pockets of these kids that I know that are from different areas and they were <laughs> all working there. Um, it may be a formal or informal ambassador program, but it's definitely a strategy that they're deploying. Um, another one, Body Alive, says that's a local fitness studio here, um, is offering in-studio trainings to become instructors. Now, these aren't free, but they are definitely affordable, and it's definitely more convenient and cost-effective than traveling out of town, which many trainings require. And the one I'll give a beep us to, which is actually the one I saw kind of coming down the road on our way here, was DHL has a billboard that said text to apply, which very great approach to make it easy to apply. So it, it checks that box. But a billboard on a busy highway where you Ooh. have to like write down numbers to where text apply. I'm, like, I'm not so sure that that was like the best place to be able to do that. So I'll give that one a B plus, but it's still uh, satisfying that that um, strategy of uh, removing barriers and making it easy for people to apply. April, do you have any others? This is one where I'm going to say I think you covered the gamut. Dang. Okay. I'll give you the compliment right back in this episode. We each had one, didn't we? <laughs> All right, so just to summarize the four strategies for attracting and retaining quality employees. Offer limited time incentives that are delivered over time. Be a company people want to work for. Remove barriers and invest in employee development. Now with that, go exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.